Welcome to another edition of Who's Better Baseball? The podcast where we answer a simple question on each show. Who's better at baseball? I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein, managing editor at JustBaseball.com, and I'm working on a piece right now titled Top 10 MLB Players Who Could Get Traded at the Deadline. Now, could is a word that has a lot of meanings to it. We could take that in a lot of directions. Theoretically, I don't know, Pete Alonzo. I'm a Mets guy. Pete Alonzo could get traded. But... We also know that the Mets value him to a point where they're probably not moving him. So when I made my list, I had to pick 10 guys that I really thought could move. Not to say that they all will, because, spoiler alert, someone like Dylan Cease is on this list where there's every chance the White Sox say, look, we got two years of control beyond this year. We just want to build around Cease. But also, if you think about him being the one starter with control, who probably has the best stuff of any starting pitcher who could be moved outside of, of course, Shohei Otani, which is a conversation in and of itself. Yeah, maybe that's a guy that moves because the White Sox could really reset their farm by making a big trade for him now and potentially selling high, even though he's not having his best season, but just the control plus teams needed for starting pitching, that's a guy that can move. And again, we'll talk about it a little more later. But... We'll get to our first honorable mention in this article, Juan Soto. I can make the case for it. I can sit here and tell you that the Padres should trade Juan Soto. And I actually believe that because it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. And they have a piece at a deadline where there's not a lot of position players where they could net a haul. Could they net the same haul they gave up to get him a year ago? No, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe you look back and say, we probably shouldn't have made that trade. Maybe you look back and say, if we knew that we were going to have Sandra Bogarts, Manny Machado, and Fernando Tatis all under contracts for a decade. Um, maybe we wouldn't have done that. And maybe we would have kept our prospects. You know, maybe if we realized when we tra- talked extension with Soto, it wasn't happening, that we wouldn't have made the move. Especially if one of your three seasons with them, you might miss the playoffs. It appears like the Padres are heading to. Yet, they did trade that haul for him. And I... Just don't think he's going to be traded ultimately, so he's an honorable mention. I just put the Cardinals as an honorable mention because there's a lot there, and really Cardinals position players. Are they going to move Dylan Carlson? Are they going to trade Tyler O'Neill, Tommy Edmond, Paul DeYoung? A lot of different players that could be on the move. And if we were talking about the 10 best players in baseball that will be traded or could be traded here, of course you would want to mention Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt if they were to get that crazy. But... Ultimately, I don't think they are going to be selling off superstars. And their position players they could move aren't as good as the 10 players that are on this list. Um, Another one, uh, you got Heimer Candelario from the Nationals having a great season. But it's been one year. So as much as he's having a great year, he's a rental, he probably will be moving, absolutely should be moved, didn't feel like he made the top 10. Lucas Giolito was also left on the cutting room floor as... He's had a bad start, but really, I just think the other guys that we're going to go through today are simply better. And as we look at this list, the crazy thing is, outside of Shohei Otani, there's one other guy that swings the bat. That's a position player. It's all pitchers, and I think that tells you about what is available at this year's deadline. We begin with number 10, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks makes it on this list because I think of the relievers that could move, and man, Every team has relievers to sell, and teams have closers to sell. But if we were to look at someone like David Bednar, 
don't think he's moving with three years of control beyond this season. Could, but I'm not as convinced of that. Jordan Hicks is a rental, but he's also a rental that can touch 104 at times, throws over 100 consistently. And any team who's looking to add a high leverage arm at the end of their bullpen is going to look at Jordan Hicks and the 12.84 strikeouts per nine and say, if only we had him. Yeah, he has a 3.76 ERA. His whip is at one and a half, so he's, you know. Nearly giving up two base runners on inning if you round up there. And he's walking over five per nine. But throws over 100 and he strikes out almost 13 batters per nine. That makes him a top 10 player that could be moved. Because you could see a world where Jordan Hicks gets moved into the right situation, locks in, and is the guy that you know saves 15 games for his new team down the stretch to help them make the playoffs. Or a guy that is on the mound trying to clinch a big playoff series victory. Jordan Hicks, because of his stuff, is one of the best players available. Now we get to some starting pitchers and a couple of lefties. Nine and eight, we're going to talk about them together because they're both in similar boats. Eduardo Rodriguez, Jordan Montgomery. These are teams that should be selling. Cardinals said they're selling. The Tigers, why wouldn't they be selling? With Erod... Better stats this year as far as ERA and whip, 2690 ERA, 0.97 whip. His FIP evens at 3.15. You compare those all to Jaymont. Uh, Montgomery's at 314 ERA, 123 whip, 349 FIP. So Erod's been better. The strikeouts, he's got one extra strikeout per nine, 9.47 compared to 8.34. Walks slightly less, 1.94 per nine compared to 2.39. But here's the big thing to me that actually had me put Jordan Montgomery at 8 over Erod at 9. It's the contract and it's the health this year. Montgomery, 19 games started. Just straight rental, believe he's going to be healthy, no concerns. Erod missed 5 starts this year. And he has an opt-out after this season, or he can opt in to 3 years, $49 million. If Jordan Montgomery, if I, if I trade for a rental, he comes over, he gets hurt. That sucks. Well, he's off my books next year. If Eduardo Rodriguez comes over to my team and gets hurt, well, now he's opting in for three years, $49 million. So it's strange because if he pitches great, he's going to opt out. If he pitches horribly or gets hurt, he's going to opt in. And his first year in that contract wasn't great either. So it's weird that he's in this point where the team's almost in a lose-lose when it comes to the contract at the same time. You trade for Eduardo Rodriguez, you need a starting pitcher. He could be great for you down the stretch. He could start for you in the postseason. And it could be a rental that you love because in that scenario where Erod pans out for you, it's the same thing as Jordan Montgomery is, but maybe a slightly better pitcher. So you could flip those guys. But again, because of the contract, because of the fact that Montgomery has been healthy, um, I got him eight. Now we get to another lefty, but a reliever. Josh Hader. And honestly, now that I'm looking at this list, I'm almost wondering if he should be a little bit higher up because his ERA is one this year. 36 innings pitch, an ERA of one. It's pretty good. 0.97 whip, that's good. 2.40 FIP, not you know as good as the ERA shows potentially. Maybe there's a little bit of regression in there, but hey, who's not going to have some regression from an ERA of one? Uh, strikeout per nine, 13.50. Walk per nine, 4.75. He's been consistently the best closer in baseball. 
Okay, if you look at the last five years, no one's been as consistently excellent as Josh Hader. Was flipped at last year's deadline from the Brewers. Now it's a rental. But I still think the Padres would be crazy not to cash in on him and get something of value here. Number six, we get to our one and only sole position player, a guy who doesn't pitch as well. That's Cody Bellinger. And this really tells you the state of the deadline. There is not a lot of good position players moved. Not to knock Bellinger. I think the fact that he plays a great defensive center field, obviously could even play some first base for the right team if they are set in the outfield. A left-handed bat that has been great this year. And the one thing I'll say about Bellinger, the strikeout rate at 17% and change there, compared to the last couple of years where it was over 25%, that strikeout difference, the walk difference, and the interesting thing about his contract that I was looking up, because he has a mutual option for $12 million with a $5.5 million buyout. Now, I'm not sure if that buyout is only in effect uh, if the you know player or the team wants out. Um, I would imagine that's the case. Like if, if Bellinger says, I want to be a free agent, why do the Cubs have to pay him $5.5 million? But you know, Spotrack doesn't exactly tell you all of the language of that deal. But that's not what's interesting to me about his contract. What's interesting is, they worked in a million-dollar bonus for Comeback Player of the Year. I think this is a guy that had a sense that for whatever reason, whatever has been happening the last couple of years with the Dodgers, he was going to break out this year. And it was, um, I wrote an article for Just Baseball this offseason, the best uh, low-risk, high-reward free agent acquisition available was Cody Bellinger. And he's hitting 311, 367 on base, 527 slug. Might not hit 40 this year, but he could hit 25. He's got 12 home runs, 12 stolen bases. Just a good player. Any team that needs to add a bat to the middle of their lineup, even at this point, the way he's getting on base, someone to the top of their lineup, who's going to give them really good defense wherever you put them. Cody Bellinger is a great player that could be moved to the deadline for some of these teams. Someone who can slide in and really make an impact. And you look around, and again, there's not a lot of other players that are in that rental capacity who could make an impact, um, or more of an impact, I would say, than some of the starting pitchers or relievers that we've already discussed and will continue to discuss as we work our way to the top five. Got a Met here, Max Scherzer. Now, you could put Scherzer here, you could put him lower down on the list. It really depends on how you view Max Scherzer and how you view this trade. But from a Mets perspective, I can tell you that if the Mets were to move Max Scherzer, Steve Cohen's going to eat money in that deal, and potentially a lot of money, which will make him far more attractive than it might seem on paper. Next year, he's got a player option for $43.3 million. He also has a full no-trade clause. So dealing him is not going to be easy. And of the 10 players listed here, um, he's one that I, I think stands less of a chance of being moved because I think the Mets ultimately value him too much and Still want to win next year, so they're probably just going to hang on. And I also think there's so many hurdles with that contract. And with that no-trade clause, you have to find a team that basically calls up Scott Boris and you know Max Scherzer and basically is like, you know, we want you as part of this team. We're we're trying to win this year, and we want you next year as well. We, we want Max Scherzer to be the ace of our team. Um, and then he can wear the no-trade clause, and then it just depends on how much money the Mets eat. But the thing about it, the reason why he's still in the top five is because if you were to go through all the names of the starting pitchers that we're discussing here, the guy that's got the most experience, the guy that's definitely going to the Hall of Fame, the guy that I think teams would still want to pitch in a big game is Max Scherzer. 
And while his season hasn't been great, 3990 ERA, 4.42 FIP, those numbers are really plagued by the home run ball. And his last start against the Dodgers, he finally found his slider again. If that's a pitch that he really has figured out, he's not going to be leaving as many pitches up in the zone. I think it's eight home runs this year that he's allowed on the slider specifically. I think he's given up 18 on the year. So almost half have been due to that slider. If he finds the slider again, he's only going to improve more. And he still is striking out more than 10 batters per nine. Uh, he's turning 39 years old, I think on July 27th. So that's really impressive. All right. Four more guys, all of them starting pitchers. One of them, and spoiler again, Shoei Otani. Um, that's number one on the list. But the next three guys, all starters. We begin with Marcus Stroman. And you can make a case that he should be ahead of the next guy on this list, Blake Snell. The reason I have Snell ahead of him is because Snell is having a great run lately where he has been the better pitcher. And here's actually how you know, me and Arm were talking about this. Here's how we broke it down. Uh, right now, I think Blake Snell is a, a player you give up more prospects, uh, you know, return for a rental. These two guys hit free agency in the winter. Marcus Strom is the guy that should get more money, or if not more money per year, more years. Marcus Stroman is as consistent as they come. What he's done with the Cubs the last couple of years and what he did his last year with the Mets, he's proven that this guy is going to age like a fine wine. I mean, he's just a, a good pitcher. It's just that simple. He's a good pitcher who's going to go every fifth day. He's going to eat innings for you, who relies on movement and his pitch ability to, to really uh, you know, get outs and induce that soft contact and get his ground balls. And he's a gamer. And he's got a 2.88 ERA in the season. His whip's at 1.09, FIP at 3.39. Doesn't strike out a ton of guys, 7.66 per nine. But you take it. You take it because he's going to go out there. He's going to compete for you. And he's got probably the highest floor, I would say of any of the starters on this list. Um, doesn't have the highest ceiling, but floor. And he has a player option for $21 million for 2024. There's an escalator in that that could make that a $23 million option if he were to hit, I think, 160 innings pitched. With that said, um, and he's going to get there. He's almost at 120. That option, if it's 23-21, if Strowman makes it to the end this year healthy, he's going to opt out to get a long-term deal. He needs... At, I think he's age 32 now. This is the time to sign your last, you know, four or five year contract and, and make sure you have that money locked up. I mean, honestly, he has every right to go into free agency and say, free agency and say I want a four year deal for nine figures. Uh, you know, I want $100 million. I want 25 a year for four years at least. Um, and he should get that because I think teams are going to get a, a guy that's going to every single year post up and be a solid pitcher. Blake Snell, though, is the enticing one. Blake Snell is the guy that you look at and say, oh, game one uh, of a playoff series, I want Snell on the mound. The way he's pitching lately where he hasn't been giving up any runs the last couple of months, he's the hot pitcher. Uh, he's also a guy that doesn't want to move. And what's funny about that is I guarantee you that Blake Snell's thought process is pretty simple. I'm comfortable. I'm used to this mound. I'm used to my routine. I'm this close to getting a massive contract. I'm pitching great. The last thing I want is to have to move across the country somewhere and pitch for another team. And honestly, not to to knock his his drive as a competitor, but just simply 
what a contract year will do to to someone's psyche. I don't think that this is the year that Blake Snell cares as much about winning a World Series, and I hate to put that on him, but you're talking about a guy that if he keeps this up and finishes the year with like a sub 2-5 ERA because he's been lights out for four months, he could be looking at a massive contract. You saw what Carlos Rodon just got, and Snell has a longer track record of success than a Cy Young to his name. So he's a guy that I'd be hesitant to trade for, actually, even though I think just pure stuff, he deserved to be third on this list. Last two. I already told you one, and I, if you were paying attention, told you two as well. Dylan Cease, number two on this list, and the only one that's oh, definitely going to be with these teams beyond the years, a couple guys with the options, but Dylan Cease has team control. Two more years of arbitration. Guy that was runner-up in the Cy Young last year, 4.18 ERA this season is a far cry from his was it 2.22 or something along those lines. It was... It was sub three for sure, and I think it was sub two five. Uh, but uh, Cease was incredible last year. This year, he's been good. He still had those games where oh, he strikes out twelve, and it's like there's Dylan Cease. But maybe it's playing on a bad team for another year. I don't know what it is. The numbers haven't quite been there. I still think if you're trying to trade for a starting pitcher, there's no one that's going to. Um, you know, there's no one you're going to sell the farm for more at this deadline when it comes to pitching than Cease because of that control and because of the fact that his stuff is probably better than anybody on this list not named Blake Snell. It, it, he's just a pitcher that tantalizes you when you watch him, his slider in particular. So, yeah, I, I think if I think the White Sox would be foolish not to move Dylan Cease because. They're going to net such a big return. And if I'm a team that not only wants to win this year, but thinks, okay, we got a window here. That's the guy that you trade for because, yeah, if it doesn't work out this year, you still got him for two more runs. So definitely number two on the list. Number one, I don't have to spend much more time on him. I did a whole show on him this week, Shohei Otani. Uh, it's the greatest rental in the history of professional sports. And he's obviously the best player who could be moved at this deadline. And I really think we can leave it at that. We all know what that would mean for any team that acquires him. Anyway, that's going to be all for this edition of Who's Better Baseball. Make sure you follow, rate, review wherever you get your podcast, And check out all of the great written content we have coming your way at JustBaseball.com. Trade deadline, guys. We just got through our first half. Um... By the end of the weekend, we'll be maybe two-thirds of the way through. There is a get a, a, a trade deadline guide. Man, that has been a tongue twister for me. There is a trade deadline guide for every single team. So if you're watching this and you're a diehard for whatever team out there, if it's not live yet, it will be by next Wednesday. You can see a full breakdown of what your team can do at the deadline. So make sure you're checking all of those out, again, at JustBaseball.com. 